Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. I'm Dana Zook. This week, I am joined with Dr. Meredith Jones. She is a veterinarian and associate professor at the College of Vet Med here at OSU. Uh, Dr. Jones has a very busy clinic and teaching schedule. It was kind enough to allow me to come and record the podcast interview in her well, it seems to be a new office to me, but you've been here a while. Right. I don't know. This new part of the vet school is is really um, new to me, but I don't know. When did they build this? Relatively new, new building. So I came back here uh, in the fall of 2018 um, as a faculty member, and it was done then. Okay. And I think maybe it was a couple of years old when okay. I got back. So okay. it's, it is very new building. Okay. I just remember meeting with Dr. Stepp in the basement in his cubicle. Yes. Yeah, that was <laughs> the, the cubicles have died. Yeah. That's Thankfully. very good. There's a good thing there. So thank you so much <laughs> sure. for joining me, Dr. Jones. So before we get started, um, can you introduce yourself sure. to our audience since this is your first time on? Tell us a little bit about your background, your family, or sure. how you came to OSU. All right. Okay. Well, so I I can take it way, way back in that my dad is actually a, vet, a retired veterinarian that graduated from OSU back in 1982. And so uh, I actually was already born when he went to vet school. So I have memories of being here at the college and oh, those cool. kinds of things. But I was a late bloomer to decide to be a veterinarian. It was, I was sort of well into high school. I wasn't like the five-year-old kid that, oh, you know, like all of us who right? had a hamster and wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> that really wasn't me. I think I, I tend to be a little bit rebellious. So it was like, everybody assumed I was going to be a veterinarian. And so I said, I wasn't going to be. Okay. So I finally gave I in. And, uh, so I always knew that I liked the people who owned owned the cattle the best. So okay. I said from the beginning that I was going to do food animal. And so I graduated from here back in 2002 and then was in private mixed animal practice with my dad in North Central Kentucky, which is where they still live. Then came back out here to do some specialty training, became a food animal medicine specialist, and then taught at Texas A&M and Kansas State each for about six years and then came back, as I said, in the fall of 18. Recently married a local rancher. Um, I had had intended to make the Stillwater area my home forever anyway. I always joked that I wanted to die in Stillwater. So <laughs> I, lo I love Oklahoma and yeah. I love the Stillwater area. And so I found a guy. So now for sure I can stay. Now you're for sure here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a similar story. So I, I came here and swore I would never stay and then uh, met somebody while I was here. So right. that's a similar story. Yeah, well, absolutely. Very, very good. Yes. Well, that's congratulations Thank on you. your marriage. Well, I recently read an article that you did, and it's been a little bit, a little bit back, but it, it, it was about a survey you did with rural veterinarians and what it takes to develop a great relationship between the producer and the a veterinarian. Right. What makes up that relationship? Right. Um, tell us a little bit about what prompted this survey. Was it part of something else? How did you get oh, that information? That's just, it's just an interesting thing for a, a veterinarian to cover. Yeah. It was one of those crazy ideas that probably came to me in the shower. Okay. You know, so <laughs> I, I, and a couple of my other partners here at OSU, uh, Dr. Rosalind Biggs and Dr. Melanie Boileau write an article every month for Oklahoma cattle women's, okay. uh, e-newsletter. And I write for some other publications from time to time. And then we, of course, here at the college have online articles that we mm -hmm. put out all the time. Yeah. So I'm kind of always looking for like the next thing that I don't just go, this is what foot rot is. This is what lumpy jaw is. Right. This is how you treat it. You know, that that all that stuff's been done and it's mm -hmm. important. But I was you know, I'm always looking for something a little different. And so to probably no one's surprise, there are Facebook groups of veterinarians where we talk about cases, people get advice and those kinds of things. And I thought, man, I've got this huge population of rural veterinarians on this Facebook site. 
I can probably build an article about what they have to say. And so that's really how it is. I put a question out on the Facebook group one day and I said, hey guys, tell me what you think from your perspective, from the veterinarian's perspective, what do we need from the producer to sort of help us really do our jobs the best for them? So mm -hmm. it's not really coming from a selfish place. I think, you know, obviously in some ways it's kind of like, I really would like the conditions to be like this when I come right. there to work. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I understand. But it's also that I think you'll find with a lot of them is it really helps us be efficient with our time. It helps us do our job and it helps your pocketbook because most of us charge by the hour. And right. so... <laughs> Yeah. So like, I know. Take notes. Take note right now. <laughs> yeah. So one of the tips is, you know, have your stuff together when we get there, you know, yeah. be organized. And that helps us again. It saves you money. So that's just kind of kind of um, that's kind of how it all came about. OK, well, that's great. I didn't know exactly how it, it came about, but I thought, well, what a cool thing to talk about. <laughs> Gets us all prepped and ready. I mean, we're working through calving season, so this isn't right ahead of calving season when we have a lot of, you know, right. interaction with our a veterinarian. But we are moving into cattle working time, mm -hmm. you know, branding and that sort of thing. So let's just let's just work through some okay. of these topics. This comes from a article that the vet school put out. And so we'll have a link to that in the show notes at the end. Um, but the first first one is just organization, like right. you said. So tell us a little bit about that, um, how, how organization helps us uh, keep that relationship strong. Right. So the idea here is, you know, we know that we're going to be putting calves and cows to the shoot or whatever it is that we're working that day. And so are your tags ready? Do you know what tags are going in who? Are the cattle gathered? That's always <laughs> a big one for the veterinarian is, do I get there and the cows are still out at pasture and haven't been brought up? But do you know what vaccines you want and going into who? Do you know what dewormers you wanna use? You know, just those kinds of things. Um, if all of that is set up when we get there, then we can set our stuff up in a couple of minutes and then we're ready to roll. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we do show up and the family's still trying to figure out, well, where are the tags? And, oh, we don't have a tagger. And, yeah. you know, just those kinds of things. And they seem like small things, but it does make it less efficient for everybody. And like I said, mm -hmm. that can cause it to cost more. The other thing is, is it can result in mistakes mm -hmm. where we end up with the wrong color tag in something. And that's the last thing we want to do is, for example, during preg checking season, have an animal that is mismarked the record isn't correct, those kinds of things. And then it's done you no good to have me preg check and tell you who's open and who's right. pregnant because if, if we don't have an organized plan about how those animals are going to get sorted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rounding up animals, who's who's running what gate. Right. Uh, maybe maybe they're waiting on you because they missed a family member right. that was supposed to show up. <laughs> I've right. heard of that before, too. But that's not what you're there for. You heard from a friend yeah. that sometimes a family <laughs> member doesn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Not from personal experience, <laughs> right. but uh, yeah, those are those 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 actually hit the top two: organization and rounding up animals, having them ready. Right. Um, I think what you said, like knowing what vaccines, knowing what dewormers, those types of things, that's a conversation you want to have had prior to prior to. And right. so, um, even when you bring your animals to the vet, it's good to have that conversation right. before you get there. Have had right. that conversation because. Again, it's important to be efficient with your time. And I want to be clear that there's some grace here. Right. We understand that cattle don't do what they're told, you know. And so <laughs> if they break through a gate, you know, it, I just want to be clear that we understand that we're working livestock. This is not new to us either. And yeah. so, you know, it, we want to know 
you've made the best effort you could and we're understanding of that when mm -hmm. everything goes south it, it happens to us too so yeah yeah i think you probably have the best experience probably <laughs> right. for all that um okay so number three safety how can safety um, impact we, right. we kind of it's kind of alluded to that but yeah so um it, you know it's clear we want to make sure that shoots are in good working order that they've been lubricated well that animals can be caught uh easily with the head gate particularly if it's a manual head gate we want to know the hydraulics have been maintained uh do the pins on gate latches go far enough into the post that they're safe so a classic uh, story that i had was i was seeming test semen testing some charlay bulls for a guy um actually this happened in texas and i'm pal in the palpation cage behind the front bull and the second bull is able to pop the pin on the gate between him and me. Oh, great. And he comes in and dives under my legs and under the bull. So I am straddling the Charlet bull. Oh, my goodness. And I'm pinned, right? Okay. And so ma maintenance, I think, mm -hmm. of equipment is the biggest thing. Are, you know, do you have things that are bailing wired together, for example? <laughs> is that shoot in working order? Is the alleyway in working order? Again, things happen. This is a, this is an unsafe job, but we need to maintain equipment so that it's as safe as possible. Um, I, you know, no veterinarian that I know can afford to be off for six or eight weeks. Right. And really that most communities can't afford for a veterinarian to be off for six to eight weeks. That something right. happens during calving season, then nobody <clears throat> has a veterinarian for a while until they get recovered. And there's some pretty significant horror stories out there. Yes. veterinarians being injured. I can't imagine um yeah it's it's a really high risk job right. but there are things in place right. to help keep uh, you and the people safe right animals the people are working the veterinarian Your workers like, yourself yeah right absolutely right. and and so very important there okay so what about regular appointments i know a lot of veterinarians these days there's less of you right less veterinarians right some of them are just taking appointments right um some of them are not doing a lot of after hours type work just because right. they're so inundated so talk a little bit about that so i think you have probably many of you have probably experienced calling in and, and wanting a same day appointment and have been told that we can't do that um and that is unfortunately just the reality of things right now a lot of veterinarians have left the profession for a variety of reasons there are less veterinarians feeding into the profession. This dead horse has been beaten right. a number of times. I don't yes, need to. We've talked to Roslyn about it. Yeah. Absolutely. But I don't a, need to beat the dead horse about it. Right. Yeah. But so um, it can be very helpful. I always tell people it is best if you have if you establish a daylight relationship with your veterinarian mm -hmm. where you and I know each other during the daytime. I know your place. I kind of know how things are going to go and we have an established relationship. And so if I am working with you regularly, it is much easier for me to be able to squeeze you in somewhere or I may even know you well enough that I can do some telemedicine with you that we can talk over the phone and solve some problems. And maybe I in this particular scenario, I don't have to see the animal or we can you know, there are a lot of things that we can work through. Right. And so by scheduling regular farm visits, first of all, it's going to save you a lot of disease overall, you know, just those interactions mm -hmm. that we have, educational conversations that we can have, we can prevent a lot of disease where you need us less 
you know, in the in-between times anyway, those regular herd checks really help with that. Mm -hmm. But then also us having that relationship established with you makes it much easier for us to get to you, get you taken care of quickly, and then get back to the next thing that we need to be at. Right. And that that goes into emergency calls, like you alluded right. to. Daylight. I love that term. Let's have a daylight relationship. relationship. Right. Right. We don't want to meet you. If I meet you night. at two o'clock in the morning, I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your place. And we're basically starting from ground zero at two o'clock in the morning. How, how, who wants to do that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not me. Nobody wants yeah. to do that. Right. Yeah. So that's important. It that's is really important. If and you've got animals, you need to have a relationship with a veterinarian mm -hmm. because you know, as we talked about before, something's always going to go wrong and it's going to happen at the most inconvenient time. Yes. Okay. So what about the big topic of understanding your role as a producer in in kind of the, the whole beef industry? That, right. that seems to be a, a, a thing here. That's a big it, topic here. It's a big topic. And it was brought up by a number of veterinarians. So if it made the list, it was brought up by a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> so, because okay. there were a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so this one, what we're referring to here specifically, obviously, I live and work in cow-calf country. There are some stalkers around here, but, you know, mostly mm -hmm. cow-calf. And so I find, particularly in the cow-calf industry, but it can't, it occurs at the stalker level, at the feeder level, um, the feedlot level, that... It can be very easy to say, I got my calves, I got them weaned, I got them sold, I did my job, check, got my check. Right. But if we are not properly preparing those calves, and this is just one example, but it's probably the biggest example, is the proper preparation of calves for the next phase. So that calf's gonna go to a stalker operation perhaps, or it may go straight to a feedlot. Mm -hmm. We need to be doing everything at that first level to get them ready to go through the feedlot. It costs the whole industry money. Mm -hmm when those calves go and are, get sick in the stalker unit or in the feedlot unit and then and more than money and i think because we can't necessarily always attach money to welfare or at least the line isn't a clean one we forget about the welfare aspect of that 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 calf goes on because he was not well prepared from a vaccine parasite control weaned for 45 60 days mm -hmm. those kinds of things um, he does potentially have a higher risk of suffering down the road and not performing as well, which then is the economic impact. And so I think having a very clear and, and many producers understand this well, mm -hmm. understand this cycle well, but it can be really easy to just lose sight of that. You don't you know where you are in the cycle, but just to lose sight of that vision of that the beef cycle really is a cycle and those mm -hmm. calves move through various steps and we need to make sure they're properly prepared for the next step. And what we see on that side as the veterinarian is we unfortunately then have to deal with those wrecks. Right. Um, and and so we're trying to educate the producer about what we can do. We understand the economics. We know that you can't pour a lot into that calf because there's a depending on the year, there's a low margin there. Mm -hmm. um, but what can we do to maintain your margin and prepare those calves at the same time? And I think we've talked a little bit about this too in the past, some past episodes about the Oklahoma Quality Beef Network and and what 
the that vaccination protocol that right. weaning schedule does really to add value absolutely to our animals sometimes you can't see that at the sale necessarily mm -hmm. but i think over time as far as developing a reputation as a producer yes. that pro that sells very high quality animals that aren't all going to stay healthy right. but have a higher chance of maintaining health that's that's a big deal and i and i and I told your producers yesterday at a, a presentation and we were just briefly talking about vaccination. I said, for all of us who've had the flu and COVID and those types of things mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, I think everybody probably can, <laughs> can realize what it feels like to have a temperature, right. to feel kind of crappy. That animal is outside mm -hmm. and probably has a similar temperature and similar feeling. That's not a great welfare situation. No. And they can't perform in that. And I think no. your comment about the reputation, I think is the most, probably the most important part. It's it is short sighted to just look at the check mm -hmm. that comes. And yes, we've all been frustrated by taking calves and not having them bring right. back what we wanted Absolutely. them, what we think we deserved for them. That is an unfortunate part of just the way things are. Mm -hmm. But that it's about having a long term vision, a long term vision for the industry and that calf and the long term vision of your reputation as to what kind of calves you sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good points there. So. Um, the next topic is have and share prevention plans. Talk a little bit about that. Sharing your vaccination deworming plans with the, you know, your current plans with your vet, right. and maybe taking some advice on how to change, how to do better. Right. Sort of so this is an, an kind of an interesting one because mm -hmm. you may look at this and go, well, I made my plan with my veterinarian. So of course they know what it is. Right. You may or may not be surprised that there are a lot of producers that don't make their plan with their veterinarian and their veterinarian is not involved with that. And in fact, I have encountered rarely producers that don't want to share what their prevention plan mm -hmm. is and kind of how they're doing things. And I think, you know, I think the first thing I would say is don't assume that we're just going to judge you and we're going to tell you that everything you're doing is wrong. And 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 maybe you've had that experience before, but that is by and large not what we're not the reason I'm asking why you know what vaccines you're using, what deworming you're using, all that kinds mm -hmm. of things. The other things, biosecurity and things like that that you're using on your place. Knowing what you're doing helps me with the current thing I'm looking at. Right. So whether it's one animal or whether I'm out there to preg check or whether I'm out there to do whatever me having some knowledge of how your operation runs helps me help you make decisions based on the current thing we're working on. And we you've probably read or heard about a veterinary client patient relationship, this VCPR, this yes. formal. Yeah, this, the next topic, yes. absolutely, go right into so it. Yes. This formal relationship that I have with my clients that if they call me and they have a sick calf, then I can prescribe things, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Well. Part of the quote unquote rules of that VCPR, there are several lines underneath that. One of those is that the veterinarian has to be aware, familiar with the keeping of the animals, meaning I have some idea about how that place operates. And it's not that we're nosy and it's not that we want to tell you how to get on our plan. Mm -hmm. It is that we, that is part of our requirement is to understand that we don't need to know every little detail. But I need to have a general understanding of how your operation runs in order for me to be able to prescribe and sort of know how anything that I do on that place, how is that going to interact with other things that you're doing as part of your program? 
it, it helps maybe maybe you've given a, a treatment in the last couple of weeks right. or something like that. Can that impact maybe the vaccines you're giving or another right. treatment that you may be providing? Right. You don't want to impact that animal poorly. Right. We want to, you know, keep um, the labeled rate appropriate um, if they're going to slaughter or something. Those yeah, big, the withdrawals. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of because drugs are so readily available, even the prescription ones, people can get their hands on very, very easily. But they all have side effects of some kind. Right. Um, and so we do occasionally see situations where drugs have been given. I've you know, finally get brought into the picture or your local veterinarian gets brought into the picture. And there are drugs that have already been given that now we're kind of set with that. And so it's always helpful for us to kind of understand how you make decisions uh, and how you choose to use drugs and what drugs you have available to you, those kinds of mm -hmm. things um, as part of that BCPR relationship. Yeah. So that also goes with helping your veterinarian understand the situation. So these three kind of all go together. Right. You know, the BCPR you know, allowing, letting it be okay that you're telling the veterinarian what's going on. Right. That's okay. Share what, share details. Right. It all goes back to what is your nutrition? Yeah. What, so yeah. What is your feeding plan? Let's, let's I know that's coming nutrition. up here. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about nutrition. Why is it? I mean, I'm a, a kind of a nutrition person. With right. Some, a little bit of health knowledge. Right. But I think a lot of veterinarians have new, they do have kind of a nutrition focus as well because it is very costly part of their operation yes. and so it it goes very closely hand in hand so talk a little bit about that. yeah most studies will show you that your nutrition is your most expensive part mm -hmm. of your operation yeah. and the veterinarian is actually i recently heard a statistic that um all veterinary and medicine costs combined make up only about two percent of what it costs to keep a cow and so oh. very, very small. Everybody thinks the veterinarian's expensive. And I'm not going to argue sometimes we, you know, sometimes you can rack up a pretty good bill. Right. But in the overall scheme of things, the our goal, our goal as a veterinarian is to make that two or three percent that you spend on us and drugs combined, mm -hmm. that that makes you more and makes the other 98 percent much more cost effective for you. And so there's kind of a rumor out there and it's really blown up lately in the dog sector because now all of really? a sudden dog food is super controversial to everybody. Oh, okay. And so there are these um, publications out there that say veterinarians have no nutrition training. And I will be oh. the first to admit that some some don't. And it just kind of depends on how we were educated in our undergrad and then what we received during vet school. Mm -hmm. And so most of us will be the first to admit that we're probably not experts in nutrition, but we do have an understanding of nutrition. And for me personally, I want to be conversational with a nutritionist. I think that's my role as the veterinarian is not to be your nutritionist, mm -hmm. but to be conversational in it. So if I'm seeing a health problem on your place, I can call somebody like Dana and say, we're seeing this and I think it's a nutritional basis. Mm -hmm. What from your perspective can we what can we work together on? And so. Again, if we're asking about your nutrition, it's not because we want to tell you what you ought to be feeding that's different. Right. It's because, you know, I'll be the first to admit nutrition is the foundation of everything, mm -hmm. everything. And so we have to have some understanding of what your cows are getting for us to be able to go. Yeah, this I think we can make this disease that's happening. We can lessen its impact or we can make it go away 
if we alter nutrition. And, you know, trace minerals is always the one that I'm jumping up and down on about mm -hmm. how critical they are. Right. You if you've got a good trace mineral and protein program, you can virtually eradicate the vast majority of diseases right. and not have to do much else, else from a health standpoint in your cattle. This is the toughest time of year for cows, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like, we're kind of out of forage, which this year we're really out of out forage. Of forage. We're yeah. out of low on hay and that sort of thing. So we have cows that are in really low body condition. Right. Are they diseased or are they just low on nutrition? You know, that right. you could, someone who doesn't understand that can look at them and say, oh my gosh, that cow has some disease or something's right. wrong with it. But it could be that she just needs some groceries. Right. right? And, and we've and seen so, a lot of it this year, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. But that, that a thing that goes hand in hand and and that cow is probably more susceptible to a lot of things right she may be wormy too but she mm -hmm. wouldn't have gotten the worms she would have been able to fight them off had she had better nutrition so it's all right. intertwined all yes. of it yeah so such a big thing um just to have so many specialists in your corner right you know several different corners yeah I guess. use, your, but, use you know, your resources right we're all sitting here <laughs> yeah we are all here extension <laughs> yeah. is here for you right. vet school is here for you um so just to wrap this up I, and this is probably kind of touchy-feely but i feel like a lot of these things while they can be applied to the veterinarian producer mm -hmm. relationship it's what we really want in any relationship true right coordination communication mm -hmm. you know and understanding and respect between both, you know, people or both, you know, associations. So I think, you know, this goes a long way to just some, it's just some common sense. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it is, uh, it, I love the, that you brought up respect. It's the mutual respect that I want to understand how you make a living. I want to know what your, I'd love to know what your motivations are and what mm -hmm. it is that you love about what you do. And um, so that kind of mutual respect there. And I would, I don't know if now's an appropriate time to bring it up. But yeah, go ahead. I yes, would, final thoughts. I, I would love to write the article in the other direction. I would be happy to do that. Um, and so, in fact, in that Oklahoma Cattle Women's newsletter, I said, please send me what okay. U.S. producers think. I, you know, I would love to compile the other side of this. So this is not, I don't want this to be perceived as, just the veterinarian telling you what to do and what we want from you. I think it's good if we know. And so this may be a great, maybe this podcast is an opportunity for you to say, hey, maybe I do need to visit with my veterinarian, meet him, for, meet him or her for a cup of coffee and just say, you know, these are my goals and mm -hmm. get to know you a little better and those kinds of things. I think as busy as everybody is now, we forget to kind of stop and think about, What's the other person's perspective on things? And again, like you said, this may have nothing to do with veterinary medicine at all. You know, we've kind of lost that ability to just sit down and really see the other person's perspective. And and so that was kind of where, the, like I said at the beginning, the idea this came from. And the veterinarians overwhelmingly just said, we want to be able to help the producers more, but we need some things from them. Right. And that was, you know, make sure that you know what you want from us. Mm -hmm. Be willing to hear what some input that we have. Um, be open with us about what you'd like to do and what your goals are mm -hmm. and where you're heading. And that that really was the core. People sincerely just said this could make the whole thing go so much better for everybody. Right. And so that kind of goes back to maybe maybe you don't know what you want in a certain area. 
go go to your veterinarian or go to your extension educator right and and they can kind of get you some background they're not going to be an expert on it you know of a health standpoint but just kind of give you some background on it right helps you learn a little bit more about it because not any of us know everything right. right and the extension the you know the part of the role that at least i see of extension and you can tell mm-hmm. me if i'm wrong is they're able to provide you on health stuff anyway right they're able to provide you that kind of background information so at least you start to have some basic knowledge and some terminology to use when you go to the veterinarian and say hey, I've been reading about modified live vaccines. I'm kind of confused, which everybody's confused about when you can use modified live vaccines (laughs) and when you can't. Oh Um, my gosh, yes. You know, so that's a, modified live is a great example Mm -hmm. of that, of a place with a lot of confusion and say, you know, I've been reading some articles that I got from my local extension agent and some parts of it make sense to me and some don't. And then that starts that conversation then with the veterinarian. And again, goes back to why we need to know how your place runs. I cannot recommend Modify Live on your place until I know exactly how you run it from a breeding season standpoint and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, and so that that's a great example of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So you've heard it here. So so do we email you with yeah, suggestions? I'll take it. Okay. We'll yeah. put Dr. Jones's <laughs> contact information in there if there's just some things that maybe you wanted to address or just some things kind of go on the on the flip Mm -hmm. side of the article kind of we that we talked about today email dr jones email me we can do that too and we'll kind of help her compile that but that's (laughs) that's a cool back and forth i think that's a great idea i mean it is a relationship right so thanks for taking the time to join me today we're gonna have dr jones back we're gonna do some more vet related topics here coming up late late this spring and summer and get some of our other veterinarians involved so um stay tuned in for that um any any final thoughts you know dr jones we are here so i didn't go into much about what my job is here but i work here in the teaching hospital at the college of veterinary medicine and so part of our job is to help answer your questions we can see uh your sick animals your veterinarian can send you to us you can come to us directly um we're available by phone uh so use us as a resource just like you would your extension educators in your area um we're here to to help you be successful and to reach your goals in your um in your operation perfect so listeners if you want to link to the original article i'll have that in the show notes uh, the OSU Vet School also publishes excellent articles on a wide variety of health topics. Um, again, right. that's where I got this one. So um, we'll have kind of a link to the area you can get that, the website there. Um, they do a really great job of keeping it kind of, you know, a variety right. there. Um, and so thank you for joining me today. And thanks, sure. Dr. Jones. And uh, we'll catch everybody in a few weeks. 